All right, everybody, it's bonus time of the week, and since we did No Holds Barred, starring Hulk Hogan, you know, about wrestling, I thought we would talk about wrestling from when I was younger. Uh, it does not compare to the wrestling of today. Uh, in my opinion, when I was younger, wrestling was more fun because they had that mystery about it still. I mean, you kind of knew it was fake, but they would never admit it or own up to it. And some of the things would kind of leave you wondering, you know? So that being said, uh, they would outlaw certain maneuvers. Like in today's wrestling, you'll see pile drivers quite often and different variations of pile drivers. And when I was younger, pile drivers were not legal. And if you got caught doing it, you'd be disqualified. Um, they eventually, you know, eased up on that a little bit and you could do what they call the pedigree today that Triple H did. Uh, there was a wrestler named Colonel De Beers in the AWA wrestling uh, who did what he just called the front face pile driver. Basically, it looks like he's going to drop you on your head, but instead he would fall forward and drop you flat on your face. I mean, it looks very painful. I'm not quite sure sometimes how they kept from, you know, busting their face on the mat. And I'm sure they took a lot of bumps that way. Uh, that's the thing about wrestling, even back in when I was growing up, back in that day, a lot of bumps were taken. These guys are basically trained stuntmen and stunt women when it comes down to it. And uh, there wasn't many of the trained stunt women at the time. There wasn't a lot of women wrestlers back in that time frame. It was not as you know, big for them back then. There were some, but it was not a very big thing for them. We're talking about a time where, you know, Hulk Hogan, who was the star of the movie we just did, No Holds Barred, he would just come off the ropes and drop a leg across somebody's head or their neck, and that would get him to one, two, three every time. Nobody kicked out of the leg drop. Um, I want to say the Ultimate Warrior was the first person, I think, to kick out of the leg drop, you know, when it happened. But uh, a simple leg drop, um, an elbow from the top rope, like Randy Macho Man Savage would do, uh, the double drop kick from the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, Jerry Lawler would sit on the top turnbuckle, standing on the second turnbuckle, and jump off with a fist to the face. And that was it. One, two, three, you're out. And, and, and that's the wrestling I grew up on the most, was Jerry Lawler in the Memphis Territory. Um, Jarrett promotion, Jerry Jarrett promotion. Eddie Marlin is a promoter. Um, a lot of big names come through there at the time. Hulk Hogan even wrestled there at one point before he was big as Hulk Hogan. And that was the thing back then. You had territories. People could train, uh, they could go from territory to territory and change names, change gimmicks, and they're brand new again, basically. No one thinks anything about it. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake were in the Memphis wrestling area as Ed and Terry Boulder. They were supposed to be brothers, the Boulder brothers. Um, and they wrestled for a little bit as a, you know, as a tag team. It didn't last too long. Um, Hogan went on to wrestle in the AWA for Vern Gagne. And actually before that, he was in WWF and he was a heel. He was a bad guy. Um, he wrestled against Andre the Giant in, which was such a surprise that they made a big deal of him fighting Andre at WrestleMania three, like it was the first time ever. It was just the roles were reversed. Hogan was the good guy. Andre was the bad guy. But he he did wrestle for 
the WWF managed by Classy Freddie Blassie and left there and went to the AWA for Vern Gagne. Had a good run as, you know, the babyface, the hero, and came back to WWF and got the backing of Bob Backlund, the current champion or former champion at the time. The Iron Sheik had won the title. And Bob Backlund had some kind of thing going on with the Wild Samoans, I believe, and Hogan come in and saved the day. And back Backlund backed him up and said he's he's a changed man. He's not having Freddie Blassie manage him no more and all this good stuff. And anyway, Hogan goes on to replace Backlund in a match against the Iron Sheik for the title because Backlund supposedly was too injured to wrestle, which started Hulk Hogan winning the title and the whole Hulkamania stuff. You know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and something else. He called them the the, the three demandments, <laughs> funny enough. The Memphis wrestling for me, though, was more exciting. Uh, I, I could see WWF on Sundays here where I lived in Tennessee. On Saturday mornings, borderline afternoon around 11, 30, 12 p.m. noon, they would play the Memphis Wrestling. At the time, it was called Continental Wrestling Association, the CWA. And we would have people like Jerry Lawler, Superstar Bill Dundee, Dirty Dutch Mantel, uh, the fabulous one, Steve Kern and Stan Lane, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, uh, the Nightmares, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne. Uh, Jimmy Hart and the First Family started out there. You had beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, Sweet Brown Sugar, who went on to call himself Coco Beware in WWF. Um, Dennis Condry, Phil Hickerson. These are some of the bad guys at the time. Uh, even Ken Patera, the world's strongest man, they called him, was in the Hart, uh, the First Family with Jimmy Hart at one point. Jimmy Hart would always would he, he'd always be finding somebody to come in to try and take Jerry Lawler off the top. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lawler was the champion, and Hart would always want to find somebody to try and take him out. So he'd bring the next big deal in. He'd bring in David Schultz one week. He'd bring in Kamala one week. Um, uh, uh, like Kam- Kamala 2. Uh, they had like a second version of Kamala he even tried. Um, King Kong Bundy had been there. Lord Humongous had been there, which was basically Sid Vicious in like a hockey mask. You know, it looks like a something straight out of Mad Max or something. The Undertaker wrestled there as the master of pain. He was brought in to take out Jerry Lawler, which didn't work at the time either. So all kinds of people came in and were gone. Uh, he feuded with the likes of Randy Savage for a while. One of his biggest rivalries was also his best tag team partner he ever had, which was superstar Bill Dundee. And Bill Dundee wrestled mainly just in that area. You'd see him in other promotions like the uh, uh, the NWA Crockett promotion, but he was more of a manager there. They called him Sir William, and he managed you know, William Regal. Another big rivalry for Jerry Lawler at the time would have been the, see, gosh, who was it? Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert and the Universal Heartthrob Austin Idol. Wildfire Tommy Rich gave him a run for his money for a while. And then as I got a little bit older, I started steering away from the Memphis wrestling because it was not getting any better. It, it was it was kind of getting better. You had like Jeff Jarrett coming, you know, he was coming of age because his father ran the promotion, Jerry Jarrett. Um, Jerry Lawler's kid, Brian Christopher, was wrestling there as Brian Christopher. You had uh, Wolfie D and Jamie Dundee. They really wasn't anything to brag about for sure. 
But I mean, WWE was taking interest in them as a developmental territory. And you could see some of the WWE guys coming in wrestling there. And some of our people would go there at that time though. I was more or less really liking the Crockett promotion, the NWA slash WCW. Uh, you've seen the likes of Ric Flair and the four horsemen, um, which included Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, and um, eventually Barry Windham. Uh, you had Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA. You had the Road Warriors. You had Sting. You had Lex Luger. Um, got Paul, the Paul Jones Army. You had the Boogie Woogie Man, Handsome Jimmy Valiant, who was also big in Memphis with um, you know, Jerry Hart, Jerry Hart, Jimmy Hart, I'm sorry, and the first family, and also wrestling Jerry Lawler. The Moondogs was a big tag team. I forgot to mention this earlier in the Memphis wrestling. And um, one of the things I did like about the Memphis wrestling was back then they weren't afraid to show blood on the wrestlers. So the fabulous ones, even though they were kind of touted as being you know, loved by the girls and everything. They dress them up in their little, you know, skimpy trunks or whatever and make these videos of them. They were also tough as nails in fighting bloody matches with the moon dogs and the sheep herders. Uh, and for those of you who are listening that might be more familiar with the sheep herders as the bushwhackers, they went on later on to become the bushwhackers, more of a comedic tag team than anything, but they were rough and tough as nails when they were younger and fighting bloody matches against the fabulous ones, the Fantastics, basically anybody they wrestled against. But back to the Crockett promotion, since I, I just want to get that other piece in so I didn't skip it, but back at the Crockett promotion, they had such big things going on uh, like War Games, which was a double ring inside of a steel cage match. It was kind of a unique concept at the time. It was very fun. They had the Great American Bash. Uh, they had Starcade for their pay-per-views. Halloween Havoc, uh, Clash of the Champions was like a pay-per-view deal they had for free on the TBS station. They always had great matches, and it was fun to watch then. And I also grew up watching the AWA that I mentioned earlier that Hogan was a part of at one point, and they had such great names as Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. Scott Hall later on went on to become Razor Ramon. Um, you had... Of course, Colonel De Beers, you had Sergeant Slaughter, you had Rick Martell, you had the Midnight Rockers, who went on to become the Rockers in the WWE. And if you followed wrestling very well, you know the Rockers end up splitting up, and that's where Shawn Michaels came from. He was one half of the Rockers. Uh, at one point, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, were in the AWA, along with Jerry Blackwell and Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody's a story all on his own. If you don't know the story of Bruiser Brody, just go to YouTube and type in what happened to Bruiser Brody and, you know, just watch some videos on that actually killed in the locker room in Mexico uh, by somebody. And there's lots of variations of the stories out there, but uh, there's some very believable ones. People who actually wrestled there who had been in the locker rooms and everything as well. You don't have as much territories as you do, you know, today as you did then. Matter of fact, there's not really any territories. There are some rival companies but the WWE kind of stands tall at the top of the ladder as what's supposed to be the best today. AEW owned by Tony Khan is the next one to kind of the next level. They're, they're like what used to be WCW used to be. And then you've got some not so major players, but very entertaining at times. Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, and some other smaller 
organizations as well that put some good talent out there. There's a lot of wrestling talent out there. It's kind of like any other sport out there. You see like football, basketball, baseball. There's tons of people that want to be in that profession, but there's only so many slots for the stars and they don't do what they used to do. They they used to do what we refer to as squash matches all the time. There would be what they called a jobber or uh, Arn Anderson always called them carpenters because, you know, they helped you know build the match along the way and build up the characters that were the big timers that would beat them every week and squash them and everything. But most popular term was jobbers. And just because they were a jobber on WWE don't mean they were a jobber in the territory because they may have been, you know, great in a territory. Prime example would be in the WWE. They had Barry Horowitz. They got beat every week by somebody, but in a smaller territory, he was a champion. So it depends on where you're watching and where you're actually working and everything as to who does what. But, um, man, so many names I grew up watching that was so entertaining. And I miss the way wrestling used to be. I don't really watch it as much anymore. I will go to YouTube and watch highlights of certain storylines that they're doing. And that's what wrestling mostly is today is storylines. Uh, in my day growing up, they, it was just booking and they would find, you know, they put two people together to fight and they would build off of that and book different matches and carry the feud on television and off through the different towns, wherever they went to, to me, that's more fun to watch, especially when they were on TV. Cause you never knew when someone's going to run out and jump on somebody on television and start fighting in the, in, in, in the place there. I mean, they may fight at the announcer's table, take you back up to the ring, fight clear out to the parking lot at times. You just never knew. And, you know, most of it today is a lot of talking. If they come out to the ring, you see just mostly a lot of talking. Every now and then you'll see some fights break out. But it was just guaranteed a fight every week before when you'd watch it in the old days. And I'm saying the old days. And I'm thinking back when I was younger, some people would tell me about their old days. You know, even further back when you had uh, the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers, or even uh, in Memphis, like they had the original um, fabulous one, Jackie Fargo, and Tojo Yamamoto, and Jerry Jarrett, and Eddie Marlin fought, and Sputnik Monroe, and people like that. I know a lot of you won't know some of these names, but if you were in the area where I grew up in, where Memphis was, it went clear into Arkansas, Mississippi, Indiana, Kentucky, um, and in those places, then you will know who I'm speaking of. If not, just, you know, take a moment and Google them. If you have a real interest in wrestling and you want to learn some of the history of wrestling, you can go to YouTube and see a ton of old matches that, you know, even the WWE network doesn't have. They don't have the rights to everything. They have the rights to a lot of stuff, but not everything. So if you want to see what I'm talking about with Memphis wrestling, just go to YouTube and search like old Memphis wrestling or eighties Memphis wrestling. You can type in CWA wrestling, USWA wrestling. You'll see some of the stuff that I saw growing up and everything. Um, WWE's network has a lot of the old WCW and AWA. I'd encourage you to look at that as well. It's very fun. A lot of the old stuff and you'll see some of the people you may know of today, but never actually saw them wrestle. And you'll see that happen. Um, I can, there's several things that stand out to me too. And I'm going to go ahead and cut this off here shortly because I can ramble all night long about wrestling, to be honest with you. But there are a few moments that stand out, um, 
in my life from growing up watching wrestling that I remember so clearly that was big for me at the time. Um, and, a, you know, a couple of them really wasn't even anything too major. Like, it might be the return of somebody. Like, in Memphis Wrestling, the sheep herders were giving this young guy, Tracy Smothers, at the time he was young, a, a lot of grief. And the Fabulous Ones, they they trained Tracy Smothers. Steve Curran returns and jumps on the sheep herders with him. And, you know, they had been giving him so much trouble, but... All of a sudden, you start hearing Born in the USA playing, and Steve Curran comes out from the cur- behind the curtains. He's, you know, high-fiving and shaking hands with people. He's hugging the women and everything, and he's going around the corner of the ring. And just as he rounds the corner of the ring and slaps a couple of more hands for high-fives, takes off running at them and just jumps on them. Um, WrestleMania three, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, one of my favorites as a young guy. Uh, wrestling Randy Savage for the Intercontinental title and winning it at WrestleMania three. Shortly after that, uh, he ended up having to vacate the title and well, he didn't vacate it. I think he lost it to the honky tonk man. I can't remember. He either vacated it or lost it to the honky tonk man. One of the two, um, and left, but a couple of months later came back to WCW in uh, the NWA Crockett wrestling promotion. Uh, he had left to spend time with his wife and newborn kid is what it was in WWE did not want to allow the time off that he had just you know, won the, they just put the title on him, the intercontinental title and they didn't want him to be gone for too long. So he gave it up. Uh, but when he returned to WCW, he was a mystery partner to hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, who was fighting against the four horsemen. And this was such a big deal because Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair had some great matches early in his career before he went to the WWF, which is what the WWE is today. I I say them both, but it was actually called WWF at the time when he went there. When he showed up on national television, it was like huge if you were a Steamboat fan. And even if you uh, just remembered the matches he had with Flair, it it was great. He comes in and him and Eddie Gilbert are fighting Ric Flair and Barry Windham on TBS, the 505 Wrestling on Saturday. And they were just, he's just tearing them up. And it was it was just huge for me seeing this. Ricky Steamboat coming back. You know, and you're, you're I'm young at the time and I know it's fake and everything, but man, it's like watching a good movie and the hero of the movie has just arrived and is taking out the bad guys right now. It's it's like watching Schwarzenegger in commando as he starts blowing up the 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 compound where they've got his daughter at where they took his daughter and kept him and he's blowing everything up and killing people and making his way to her you know or seeing rambo make his way across uh through the pow camp and um rambo first blood part two and rescuing the pow's and getting in the helicopter with them and taking them back it's it's really something like that it's like watching your favorite baseball team in the world series and seeing them win and you get that feeling of your favorite team winning it's like when your favorite wrestler returned to an area that you like watching and did something big it was huge to you as a kid but anyway that's my bonus audio for the week i just want to get a little bit of stuff out there uh for you guys and since i did something about my comic con i went to last week i thought i'd tell you more about me and stuff this week so maybe you can get to know me a little bit better as well as far as some of the stuff that i liked that was relevant to what we did this week so I hope you guys are enjoying the bonus audios 
If you do let me know, uh, you can email me here at retrolife for you. That's the number four Y O U at gmail.com. And tell me what you think about the bonus audios and the regular shows as well. Send me some ideas that you'd like to hear, uh, for shows and everything, and maybe some stuff we can do for a bonus along with it. And we'll try to get that on, uh, check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook as the name retro life, the number four Y O U. And we have a website where you can listen to the podcast at as well as sign up for a newsletter there as well. That's www.retrolife, the number four, the letter U.com. And that'll take you there. You can listen to, like, like I said, straight from the browser, or you can choose your favorite area like Spotify, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Google, Amazon, wherever we're at. You can choose it from there as well and click on it and listen to it in that player. So this has been fun. I love talking about wrestling. If you want to, know anything else about maybe some of the things I witnessed and watched in wrestling growing up, let me know and we'll have a private conversation about it. You guys have a great day and thanks for listening.